Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. I want to take you, and I want to do this fairly quickly this morning, because there's something that just really pressed upon my heart to share this morning. Uh, The series that we're on is found in John chapter 17. I'm going to continue to bring it up because I want this just to get inside your heart. John 17 is our series. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. And the scripture is found in verse 15. Jesus praying, he said, my prayer is not that. And remember I said last week, every time the word them is mentioned, put your name there. So I'm going to put, I'm going to say your name instead of the word them. Because I encourage you just in your Bible or your apps, just put your name right there. And all of a sudden this becomes very personal. So my prayer is not that you take your name out of the world, but that you protect your name from the evil one. You are not of this world, even as Jesus was not of this world. Sanctify, again, your name by the truth, your truth, your word is truth. As you have sent me, Jesus, into the world, I have sent, put your name into the world. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. This world does not define me. This world does not label me. I am an ambassador of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that is true once we've come into the saving knowledge of him and we truly are messengers of Christ. We represent him to the people around us. So the text I want to share today is Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. I'm going to read just the first uh, few verses. A few days later when Jesus entered Capernaum, The people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Now note verse 3 and 4 or 5 particularly here. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. And then the story continues on that the man would be not only forgiven of his sins, but he would later be healed. He would get up. He would take his mat. He would leave and go home with his mat. Beautiful story. The title of what I want to talk about today is entitled A Community of Carriers. And it's kind of a play on words because we've heard a lot about carriers today, but not in a positive sense. Uh, We've been hearing a lot about being carriers of the coronavirus. Well, I want to talk about a community of carriers, but not of a coronavirus. This is carriers that are carrying other people. A community of people that carry other people. And of course, the story is around the man who had friends who carried him on his mat. It was about 22 years ago, I was in my office, the church I was pastoring. I uh, had a friend of mine, one of my parishioners, young man, he was in, he was chatting with me and uh, we got a phone call. It was actually a call from the hospital in London, a pastor near London. uh, And one of my young parishioners, 21 year old young man had been in a very serious car accident earlier that morning he was in the hospital and they didn't know if he was going to live. 
uh, they didn't know the extent of damage. Uh, the car had flipped up on its roof and they had to uh, pull him from the car. Uh, his brother, of course, was with me and we, we left and we took off, we went to the hospital. I would spend hours at the hospital. Uh, he would come to, his life was no longer considered to be threatened. Uh, but the days and weeks, he stayed in the hospital for a couple of weeks, determined that he would be paralyzed for the rest of his life. Not only paralyzed, but he would have very, even very uh, limited movement with his arms, would not be able to move his fingers. Uh, very injury. And then he would go into rehab and spend weeks and months, and his reality became unless a powerful supernatural miracle of God that would heal him. And we believed that. Many a prayer, an all-night prayer, was prayed. But unless, bar that happening, he was going to spend the rest of his life paralyzed. He uh, would not be able to feed himself, bathe himself, would not be able to drive. Uh, he began to concern himself. What would he do? Would he have a career? Would he be able to do anything? Would he ever marry? Would he ever have children? Would he ever pick up his children? Would he ever grandchildren? And all those became his new reality his reality having been paralyzed. Uh, this story, and it reminds me of this story, because have the background to this man. All we know is that, as we pick it up in Mark chapter 2, uh, he has been given, he's been dealt a very difficult situation, and we can assume a few things. We can assume that because he is paralyzed, we could assume he has no job. We can assume he may struggle to even have a roof over his head. I mean, the people of his day, typically if you were infirmed, especially as much as he was, you spent your life along the side of the road begging for enough money for food for the day. We're told nothing of his family, so did his family forsake him? Uh, we don't know if he was younger, middle-aged, older. We are not given that information, but we're not told anything about his family, and normally, your only help would be your family. Your help would be as if your mom and dad continued to take you in, brothers, sisters, uh, if maybe you're older, your children, but, but that there would be people, loved ones, who would have to look after you for the rest of your life. We're not told anything about them, so there's an assumption there that something happened, maybe forsaken by his family. It was not a pleasant day for him to be a paralytic. But there's something about the man that is absolutely standout amazing. He had a killer small group. Now, I'm not talking about the small group went out killing. He had a killer small group. He had a small group second to none. He was a part of a small group community that I think exemplifies what Jesus is saying. These friends of his are absolutely amazing. I mean, you get that in the story. You get in the story that Jesus turns his focus at one point to the friends. And he has some amazing friends because it was not easy growing up in his day paralyzed. I mean, actually, I did a bit of research on this. You may be interested. At the time of this writing in Mark chapter 2, uh, having friends, even having any friends, the odds were stacked against him. The ancient world was very harsh on people with deformities. The Greeks regularly disposed of newborn infants who had any physical abnormalities. Can you imagine? 
the uh, Aristotle, he actually wrote this, quote, let there be a law that no deformed child shall be raised, unquote. Isn't that horrible? In Rome, 5th century BC, there was actually a statute on the books that said, quickly kill a deformed child. Now, if you happen to be born in Israel at this time, you had an additional stigma, and that it was this, that if you had a deformity, chances are it was because of sin. It's because of God's judgment on you. And if not you, then your mom or your dad. But it was because of sin. And so all that would be heaped upon you if you were a Jewish person back in the days of Jesus. To have friends? No. It was not a very popular thing. But here's the point. There was this little band of guys that, irregardless of whatever the stigma was of their day, no matter what they might suffer with that stigma, they were committed to each other. And it's that that I want to talk about today. Matter of fact, I was going to talk about this, uh, a community of carriers, about two months ago. But when this whole isolation took place, I thought, well, I can't preach that message. I mean, how can you have a community of carriers if we can't get together? And so I put it on hold and I thought, well, maybe one day. And then it was just recently, I was circling around this message again. And it hit me, this is exactly the time that we have to talk about becoming a community of carriers. It's exactly the time right now. This group, these friends, this small group was not by accident. I've discovered that having good friends don't come about by accident. They chose to become a community to each other, to carry each other. They chose it. It was a decision. There was a lot of effort to it. Here's the point. People rarely drift into community. It just doesn't happen by hapstance. No, psychologists actually say that if you want a deep friendship, you have got to make developing relationships your absolute top priority. If you want deep friendships, you've got to make developing relationships top priority. It takes a lot of work to develop community of friends. You know one of the big reasons we don't do it? Because we have a mat. Uh-huh. We, um, we don't want people to, to know we have a mat. When I say a mat, I mean we've, we've got some hang-ups. We've got some problems. Uh, we're not perfect. Uh, we're far from it. we got a lot of, like, big failures going on, and, and there's an ugliness there. And, and so um, we don't want people to see that. But let's start here. Doesn't everybody have a mat? I mean, this man's mat was pretty obvious. His mat was three foot by six foot. That was his life. And it was obvious if you got close enough that he was deformed. And that was obvious. But you know what? So did all the friends. I mean, theirs wasn't three foot by six foot. But we all have mats. We've all got something that doesn't measure up. We've all got things that we don't want others to know. And one of the big hindrances to developing community of getting to know and investing in relationships with a few people is we don't want people to take a real close look at what our mat is. You see, if somebody's going to carry my mat, they got to get close to me. And so there's a tendency to keep pushing them away. Kind of reminds me of that old movie, you know, Beauty and the Beast. And the whole idea that the beast kept 
pushing everybody away. Because if you got close, you'd see how ugly he was. And there's a picture here that we don't want people close to us, and so we keep pushing them away. We keep them at hands or arm's length. We don't want them close because if they get close, they're going to see my ugliness, and then they're going to reject me. But if we realize, number one, everybody has a mat, and number two, if you're going to develop relationships and closeness, you got to come close. You got to let them in. You got to allow them to see your weaknesses. This man, to have a community of friends like he did that day in Mark chapter two, he had to have made a decision to allow them to see his ugliness, his weaknesses. He had to make a choice to bring these people in and to be vulnerable so that they would be close enough to see these things. If you're going to develop friendships, you got to allow them to serve you. Everybody has a map. It is what is not normal about you. Uh, I don't know. What's your mat? Maybe your mat is you have a bad temper. You lash out at the people that love you dearly, and it's just nasty. Maybe your mat is your mat is fear. You got a lot of fears, and you every situation you're picturing a dozen different scenarios of things that are going wrong. Fear, fear, fear. As a matter of fact. It'd be one thing if you had fear for the things that are worthy to be fearful over, but you get fear, you get clammy hands and your knees knocked together just talking to your own dad. You're just crippled by fear. Maybe your mad is your inability to trust. Maybe your mad is your need to be in control all the time. Maybe your mad is a terrible secret you are hiding behind. And you don't want anybody to know about it. Here's the point. We spend a lot of energy and we spend our entire lives mat managing. We manage our mats. We don't allow anybody close and we regulate relationships so much so that we do not have a community of carriers that we're a part of. And so we don't live in that community. So I want to just ask right here, who carries your mat for you sometimes? Who do you show your weaknesses and struggles to? And who do you ask on a regular basis? Would you pray for me? Here's what's happening. Who do you let in to see your crippledness? We are called to be a community of carriers. So in this story, Jesus comes to town, Capernaum. And uh, we aren't told a lot of details. I'm just going to kind of put this in here, fill in some blanks. I'm going to guess one of the friends hears about Jesus in town. He wants to go and see Jesus and hear Jesus, and he could do it by himself, and he would be quicker and faster, but he's a part of a community. He doesn't just do these things alone anymore. He's a part of a group. And so when he talks to his friends, he gets a hold of them, and of course, he can't pick up the phone. He can't email them or text them. He has to actually go to their place, and so he goes one by one and says, hey, listen, Jesus is in town. What do you think? You want to go and hear him? And so one by one, they do it but they don't forget about the man on the mat. He's a part of their group. So they pick him up and off they go to see Jesus. Here's the problem. They get there and there's such a crowd. It'd be one thing if you're by yourself, you could like worm your way through, but you got to take a man with a three foot wide mat. It's not going to happen. But these men are committed. You see, they're not just there for token. You know, a little something goes wrong and they turn around and go home. No, 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 no. These guys are committed. That's what makes them so amazing. 
These guys are committed. They're going to get to Jesus one way or the other. And so they devise a plan to get up on the roof, and, and they cut a hole through the roof. I mean, that is high-octane risk. You imagine Jesus and the crowd in there and all those right near Jesus, and, you know, he's teaching away, and, you know, stuff is falling on his head. He looks up, and he sees these hands coming through, ripping apart this thatched roof. And, I mean, they just don't rip a hole. They rip a major, like, you know, skylight there and because they have to let down this man through the mat. And Jesus is so impressed by this, so impressed, that the scripture, when you read this, it says Jesus saw the friend's faith. He saw the collective faith of a bunch of guys. Normally, when you read of Jesus doing miracles, it's the person who he does the miracle for has the faith, or it's Jesus' own faith, or it might be the Father, but here, it was the faith of the collective community. He looked up and he saw their faith, and the man's sins were forgiven, and of course, he would be healed. He would get up, take his mat, and he would go home. <laughs> what an amazing story. You know, I sometimes wonder what would happen. What would it have been like? Let's say the guy's years later. He's maybe 80 years old. He's in his home. Some of his friends have died off. He walks by the wall and he stops and he looks at that map hanging on the wall. I wonder, I wonder what he is the most, most thankful for. I'm sure he's very thankful that that day his sins were forgiven. I mean, that's amazing. And I'm sure he's thankful that he was able to get up and walk. But you know, at 80 years of age, walking is not the same now anyway. I, I think the thing that he is most thankful for is those friends. That as he circles back and remembers that day and remembers that period in his life, he remembers, I had some amazing friends. I had a community that carried me that day. You know, you're saying, well, Pastor, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic right now. Uh, we're going to look back at this and it's going to be called probably the pandemic of 2020. You know, you head to 9-11, this is going to be the pandemic of 2020. And uh, how we can't get together. Can I just share a few things about this? Because I think this is very relevant, actually. We're in a time of crisis. That's what they've been calling it, crisis. And there's some things that are important for us to understand that we need community now more than ever. And as a matter of fact, now is a great time to develop community. As a matter of fact, I believe that if the church positions itself right, we will come out of this way stronger than when we went into this. Yeah, we prayed. Yeah, we believe God. Yeah, we, you know, trusted in God because we can't trust in man's devices. But I believe that in the middle of this pandemic, we will have developed a community of carriers. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be wonderful if everyone watching right now, listening to me, we stepped it up a few notches when it came to friendships and a community, small group ministry, people who are part and who will pace with us in life. Yeah, there's our husbands, our wives. Maybe if, if that is, you're blessed to have that, or your children, you're blessed to have that. But I want to talk even beyond that. A community, a small community that we can journey life together in during these times. Well, you know, we live in very difficult times right now, these last few months. You know, our minds are like maps. Psychologists say that our maps, our minds have to have these roads, these paths, these grooves, and, and we get into routines. And 
when something changes, our minds register error, error, error. And, uh, and let me give you an example. Let's say you get up in the middle of the night. It's dark. You go down into your, your kitchen. And as you're walking again, it's dark. And, and your mind, you've mapped out your house. You know your house. You've been in your kitchen many times. But all of a sudden, you trip over something. I mean, something massive is in front of you. You didn't see it. And you trip over it. And you fall. And you get. And what's happening, your mind's going, error, error, error. And it's screaming. And your thoughts are flooding. What was that? What happened? Is there something else going on? Is there somebody here? What took place? What did I run into? I better go and find out what that is. I need to get the light to the light switch. But now your mind's screaming. But will there be something else trip me up before I get to the light switch? And you see everything is in chaos until you get that light turned on. And you look and you realize somebody pulled a chair out into the middle of the room. Now, you put the chair back to where it belongs because that's where your map tells you where it should be. But you see what just took place. We all have maps in our minds. And when something goes chaotic, when there's a crisis, our, our, our brains go crazy. It's interesting that um, during a time of pandemic, uh, the crisis, because in that, your normals become abnormals. It shows, research has said, I just heard this, people can lose up to 30 IQ points when they go through times of crisis. 30, I can't afford 30 IQ points being lost. People can go up to 30 IQ points being lost and to, because your, your map is trying to remap in times of crisis. And we are in a time of crisis. So what is happening? There's an anxiety that has been created, a stress point, because things are not normal. And our brains need those normal maps. They need a routine. There was a study done, a psychologist, Dr. Henry Cloud, tells the story of where they took a monkey and had monkey in a cage and the monkey was used to the cage and they put all those transmitters to the head of the monkey that sends out signals and they monitored the monkey and what they did is they created absolute chaos for the monkey. I don't know what the chaos consisted of but the monkey started going crazy. They changed all his routine and they just brought chaos and they watched his stress go right to the top. They could see it monitored. Then what they did is they took one of the monkey's buddies and they opened up the cage and set the buddy into the cage with the monkey and closed them in. And then they created a whole new set of chaos and they monitored the transmitters and they discovered his stress only went halfway up because he shared it with another monkey. He shared it with another monkey. Now, I don't take this too far. You know, we as a church are going to get a bunch of monkeys together and, you know, we're, we're a community of monkeys. But the point is, is that we were never meant to do this alone. And it actually changes the way we think, changes the way we approach life. And it's unhealthy in so many ways. We begin to see that. You know, when God made us, he made us out of a blueprint with certain foundational aspects to us. Like you build a house built on a foundation. And I want to talk about four basic foundations that God built into us. Number one, and, and you will know this, number one is the foundation of relational connections. God never made us to be isolated. He made us to be related, connected with people. It's called families, but not just biological families, but families of people groups, people communing with people. And you see this throughout scripture. You mean the number of scriptures we read in Matthew 11, it says where two are, 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 are talks about actually being in the yoke with Jesus in Matthew 11. And then there's another passage that says where two or more are gathered in my name in that community 
the presence of God, he does great and mighty wonderful things. We read also in Ecclesiastes, it says that um, three strands are not easily broken. Uh, the idea is a picture of a fabric, and you can't just pull that fabric apart. People that are rooted and grounded together, their brains work better. Well, a pandemic, what does it do? It blows all that apart. Uh, you know, you, don't, you can't see your friends at work. You can't go out to the games in the evening. You can't hang out for lunch with people. Uh, it changes everything. And so it blows all those maps apart, the relational connections during a time of 2020 pandemic. God also made us to operate according to structure. We need structure. I mean, some people are more structured than others, but we all have our time, our place, and our routine. Our getting up and our schedule as we roll into the day and eventually you know, have our coffee and we get out to our vehicle, what road we take to work and, and we stop and we grab breakfast or we get to work and maybe grab a coffee there and give it to some people or they give it to us and we make that initial connection and we do the initial emails and we start the day off and we connect with people and, and in that there's structure, there's structure about our lunch meeting, there's structure when we go home, we stop maybe at a friend or a family member's place before we go home and we get home and then there's a structure of what happens into the evening and we're built to have structure. It's okay. But here in this pandemic, our structures got blown up. Uh, we no longer have routines. Our psychological, neurological rhythms are all thrown off. We are also made to have some level of control. Our brains are designed to control, kind of like a menu. Uh, we, we control the things we want. Uh, we control the colors, what we're going to wear. What color am I going to put together today? We control the next event. Here's what I choose to do. Here's my calendar. I go to this one. I go to that one. We control that. But here, we're in the middle of a pandemic. The control's blown out. I mean, we, we can't control. We find ourselves that we can't control uh, so many things during this time. We can't control our health. We can't control uh, where we can go, where we can't go. Control's blowing up. And, you know, the last one is feel good. We were made to have some feel-good times. And when I refer to feel-good, it's like we were made to have purpose. We were made to, at the end of the day, to have accomplished something, to feel good. We did good that day. You know, if you're a salesman, that you helped somebody out and you got them what they needed. If you were in the service industry, that you were able to please somebody. Uh, we helped. People were benefited because of us. We made a difference. Well, here we are, pandemic 2020. And at the end of the day, we're not helping anybody, right? You know, it's, it's like we're locked up, caged up, and, and, and we aren't going to bed feeling good. You put all those together and it's a recipe. It's a recipe for disconnection. And in the midst of this, what can we do? Well, let's go back to connection. Remember, we're called to be a community of carriers. So let's start there. Who is your circle of connection? You know, some of, I've done this a number of times. I've just taken a whiteboard or even a sheet of paper and just made a circle. And who are the people inside my circle? They might be two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. They won't be many more than that. And then there's people outside the circle. And these are people most closely. Jesus had, there were 72, there were 12, there were three. And these were part of his group, the people he invested in. He connected with these people. And it's important at this time to make those connections. We call them up. We 
text, email. We make that connection, Zoom with them, Skype with them, FaceTime, Hangout. But we make a connection with some people. And just in the time we connect, just be empathetic. Just talk honestly of how are you doing? What's been happening? What's been happening with you? Be committed to it. Here's what you can expect from me. And you commit to those times of connection. There's been some research out just in the last week of some major Fortune 500 companies. And the top executives, when this began to take place, the, the companies that are soaring right now are the executives just got on the phone and began to call around and be, hey, how, to their managers, how are you doing? How's it going? And they just, it made all the difference. Even if you're an introvert, you know, just to step out. Hey, how's it going? Listen, talk with, let's journey together. Let's make a connection. What about structure? In this pandemic, it's important that when we do get together, talk about two or three main things that need to be done. Now, I talked about this with you. If you remember about a month ago, I said, don't change your structure, your personal structure. Be careful of sleeping in, staying up really late, changing everything. It's going to get unhealthy. But I want to now add the component with journeying together with others with your structure. Your structure regarding uh, a project that you can mutually agree together on, that you get together, you answer some basic questions in life maybe, but that you recreate a structure with community. You know, during this time, many of small group communities just canceled out. We just stopped. I encourage, no, get back together. Figure out ways to reconnect. Don't stop. Don't change. We need structure and we need structure with others. Control. There are a thousand things out of control right now. I can't, you know, we get control even getting tested for the coronavirus. I mean, there's not enough tests out there. Control regarding how our government's responding. Control regarding us not being able to meet as a church group. On and on, we've lost control. But here's the thing. When we get together with people, it's really important, maybe the first five minutes, talk about some of the negative things, the things you can't control, because there's a lot. But you know what? You can spend your whole time talking about the bad things. So here's the suggestion. Give yourself five minutes. And then after five minutes, you say, you know what? We can't control those things. We can't control what our, our federal government, our provincial government, we can't control the things that are happening right now. But we're going to switch our brains over. We're going to talk about the things we can control. Because there are things we can't control. There's a lot when you begin to talk about them. If you go to the story, there was a lot of things the men, the friends could not control. They couldn't control this man couldn't walk. They couldn't fix that. They couldn't control his relationship with his family, his parents. They couldn't control that. But what they could control, they did. What they could control is this. They could pick up his map. They could travel and journey together. And so they did what they could. They can control certain things and exactly what they did. They could bring him to Jesus. Feel good. We need to feel good. We need to process with others. We need to ask each other, how are you doing? And you know, this is something that I've just really come to appreciate, even amongst the church staff, just getting together with church staff and we've been doing Zoom and we've connected, we've connected more now during the last two months than we did previous. We've made some real progress in just getting to know each other and making those connections. About a week and a half ago, the elders of the church, we got together, we had a meeting on Zoom, of course, and I, I started very intentionally with the question about the nine 
spiritual fruits. And I asked the question, of the nine spiritual fruits, which of the nine has God been developing you in in this last number of weeks? And we spent a number of minutes just talking about the different fruits that God has been, and it caused us to go back, to go into scripture, to rehearse what they were, and we began to celebrate what God was growing in us. You see, we can control that, and we can control that in a group environment. There's things that we can do in order to be a community of carriers. And when you get together, make sure you don't forget. If you're a Christian, if they're not a Christian, maybe not so. But if they're a Christian, don't forget just to pray. Spend maybe 30, 30 seconds and just, you know, can I just pray with you? Don't pray for everything under the sun. Just quickly, 30 seconds, pick one or two things that just has been on their heart and just lift it to the Lord with them. It'll mean so much. You know, another part of feeling good is reading scripture together. You know, Laurie and I have done this uh, with a couple of our friends, and and uh, some of them have just been getting back with us, and they're actually coming back into the country now. They've been down in the U.S. for the last six months. And we've just been regularly connecting and, and just encouraging and some sharing some scripture. Uh, there's our friend, our translator in Cuba, in Cologne. And so, been journeying, and, and you know, I was he has been telling me about his wife. She's a doctor, and she's been working directly with some affected uh, with the coronavirus. And so been sent, I've been sending scriptures, Lori's been sending scriptures, and we've been encouraging. And then I told him, you know, I said, listen, you know, pray for me. I said, we're in the middle of a, of a renovation at our church, and, and, and I've got some uh, staff that are, are, are moving away or going into new positions, and we need to get new people in place. And so he sends back all these, these scriptures about hope and about hope and about hope. And we're back and forth with these scriptures. This is the community of carriers that we're talking about that just don't listen to each other, but also maybe just pray together, maybe share a scripture and encourage each other. It's what we're doing with, in a few minutes, those who are in our 55 plus group, and we're going to be breaking out, that I asked a question back a while ago, you know, in the midst of COVID-19, what has God been teaching you? Because if we pause and talk about it, you know what, we're going to discover God's been teaching a lot of the same things. And we can begin to celebrate. And what we're doing is we're growing together in community. Exactly the way God designed us, the way he created us. Talk about doing life together. So I'm going to close. Here it is. Here's your take home. You ready? Number one, good friends don't just happen. You've got to nurture them. You've got to go after that and make it your top priority. What's stopping you? Why don't you start today? Secondly, it's a choice to be a community of carriers. You choose to be or you choose not to be. Just don't say, well, those people are lucky. They got a lot of friends. They've, you know, they're those kind of people, but I'm not like that. You know, that's not true. Everybody has a mat. Everybody has a mat. Figure out what your mat is and then let people in and then be determined that you're going to carry others' mats too. We all have mats. And it's important during this time, let's redevelop those four things. First of all, God made us to be relationally connected. So let's redevelop. Close circles. Let's empathize. Talk. Be honest what you can expect. Let's re-bring structure back into place to have a vision, expectations. What about control? Let's determine what we can do. There's a lot that we can do together. And what about feel good? <laughs> We need to have a feel good at the end of the day. 
We need to have a win. We need to know we made a difference in the day. And yeah, you're not gonna, not everybody's going to be able to do the same thing, but you can do something to be able to help someone feel better. You help someone in some way. You know what encourages me? I don't like, I don't, we don't listen to a lot of news because, you know, media likes to tell all the bad things. But what I, Laurie and I were just talking the other day. We said, you know what I do like? I like when the news, you know, and I think it was yesterday, showed where there was in a community, we're in a court, and a couple gals got out, called the neighbors out, let's do some aerobics together. We're going to do the steps and jogging on the spot. That's community. These neighbors never knew each other before now. Church, that's exactly, I believe, what God is wanting to do in the community, small groups, community of believers. But you got to invest in it. Are you committed to do that? I am. Let me pray with you. So, Father, I God, I thank you for the community of believers. You've placed us in a big community, a community cornerstone church, and maybe those that are listening in who are maybe not a part of cornerstone community. But, God, I think there's a very clarion call that being sent out to us today, that we are not in shutdown. We are in wide open development to put these things back into place, that we are called to be a community of carriers. And God, you are opening a door of opportunity for us right now. Lord, I pray that we will be courageous to go through this door and to do what you've called us to do. Lord, for your glory, for your name's sake, we are believing for what you are going to do in these days will be a testament of the goodness of God. We pray this. I pray for each one that God, we would, we would, uh, we would take up our mat. We would become a community. May we not be mat managers, just spending our life managing our mats, but God help us to be mat carriers. We pray in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.